0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I wanna preach to you today. I wanna preach to you today. It's a great day. Hey, we're headed for our Super Bowl. You know that, don't you? So we'll call this Sunday Playoff Sunday. Let's win today. Let's win today. Easter's coming, the 17th day of April, and we're going to have a celebratory time because we understand we celebrate him every Sunday. Jesus is risen. He's risen. He's risen. Nobody like him. To you that are following online, we welcome you. I won't be lengthy today, but I hope that I am effective. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to talk about the river today. The river. (laughs) And you may be seated. You're precious. In 1854, the city of Chicago experienced an epidemic that would kill 12% of its population. It became known, Chicago did, as the typhoid fever city. The problem was polluted drinking water. Chicago sits at sea level, which means sewage would flow down the Chicago River into Lake Michigan to the north. The problem, that is a problem, that's where the city got its drinking water. In response to that crisis, an engineer named Ellis Chesbro, here he is, here's a picture of him. I like his beard. He looks like he's the first member of ZZ Top. <laughs> Proposed not one, leave him up there. I like this guy. Not two, but three ideas that were absolutely ingenious, yet seemingly impossible. He had passed passed on to the other world before the last idea was accomplished. His first idea this sounds crazy, was lifting the city of Chicago, lifting it. In 1860, a block of buildings on Lake, on Lake Street was raised four feet, eight inches by a team of 600 men with 600 jack screws. And new foundations were laid beneath the building. And then they raised it four and a half feet or four feet, six inches. In 1866, the Briggs Hotel took up an entire city block, weighed 750 tons. They put it on jacks and raised it a quarter of an inch and did so with guests staying in the hotel. (laughs) Something's moving, mama. Something's (laughs) happening here. Chesbro would install 152 miles of sewer pipes beneath the city of Chicago. During the decade it took to lift that entire city. He wasn't done dreaming. The second ingenious idea was a water intake toggle to clean drinking water from from Lake Michigan out deeper in the lake so it would be clean getting to the city was the longest and the biggest tunnel in the world of its time. And two teams started digging at 60 feet beneath street level. One team started on the shore, and the other team started two miles out into Lake Michigan at the water intake station. And somehow they met, they met in the middle. They dug by hand 16 hours a day. Folks, this is is unreal. Then the graveyard shift would lay brick all night. And both of those endeavors were epic mirrors of engineering. But I want to tell you the best now. I've saved it for now. The city of Chicago had grown from a population of 30,000 in 1850 to a half million in 1880. You can read this online. And the people were dumping their garbage and their sewage in the Chicago River along with slaughterhouses who were dumping animal remains. That's what those people were drinking. Chicago, we have a problem. Chesbro had already raised the city of Chicago, already built the longest and largest tunnel in the world. Why not? Why not reverse the river? instead of it flowing north, let's make it flow south, down the Mississippi. So the sewage flowing to Lake Michigan polluting the drinking water, if they could pull this reversal off, the river would function like a sewage pipeline and it would take two decades of dynamite and dozens of dams. But Chesbro would defy the laws of nature. In January the 17th, 1990, the Sanitary Board of Chicago trustees put on their black coats and their top hats and pose for a picture. And they opened the floodgates, so to speak, and the rest is history. Reversing the Chicago River ranks as one of the most monumental engineering feats of the 20th century. And I read just recently in studying this, I read that Mayor Daley in his time wanted to reverse it back to where it was. Clean drinking water. I don't think you want to reverse that back to where it was. So my question today to all of you, which way is the river flowing. Which way is your river flowing? Let's talk about reversing the river today. Today is Dream Team Sunday. Today is Volunteer Sunday. And I love to have new people join us to make this day special. This day though is not wishing on a star trying to get lucky or winning the lottery. Let's do a little reality check up front. Your life is perfectly designed for the results you're getting in your life. And if you keep on doing what you've always done, you'll keep on getting what you've always gotten. The good news is, though, you're one decision away from a totally different life. You believe that? Whether positive or negative. Come on, let's go forward today. Now, this is where I kind of got into this outside the lines writing. Please repeat these words with me. God is here. He came to help us. God is interested in what troubles us. We, us. we must let God help us. I will let God help me. I will let God help me. Hallelujah. Now let me preach. God is mankind's greatest friend. Yeah. Nothing happens to us that escapes his attention. He knows the number of hairs on our head. We're important to him. He knows when a sparrow falls from the sky. And if we are more important to him than many sparrows, how much more is he interested in what's happening to us here today? Job, who went through hell for about six months in his life, he was confident when he shouted, he knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Early in the writings of Ezekiel chapter 9, God instructed an angelic scribe to mark the foreheads of those who sighed and cried and those who prayed for a change in the country. God not only promises to hear the words that you speak, he not only promises to see the way that you take, but he hears the sighs and the cries of his people. He's a God of the majestic he knows the paths of the Nile and the Amazon's rivers. He's a God also of the minutia. He, 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 he sees each tear, his streak face, and he knows each tear's origin. He sees our tears and understands our fears. In fact, when we get to heaven, you're going to find some bottles up there with, with liquid in them. That's our tears that he's held for us. Because he takes every tear to heart, he knows when you're struggling to pay the rent. He knows your word about your child. He understands your fears of being alone, and he marks the moment you feel overwhelmed. He knows how you struggle when you wrestle with trying to forgive, when you fall prey to that chronic sin that besets you, when you lose your temper again, when you lose your self control again, when you fall off the wagon. Again, when you give in and give up and give out, he still sees you and he's there for you and he's here to help you today. He sees. He's not like fickle friends and family members who walk away. He's not like the unobservant in the parable of the good Samaritan who walked by the man in the ditch. He doesn't ignore your problems. He feels and he cares. He doesn't run from your problems. He's drawn to your problems. How does God come to us? He came in his humanity to die for our sins. We're going to be celebrating that. He comes to us today through his spirit. One more time, would you give that God a great hand clap of appreciation? I love him. This is a day when a decade can happen. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. The prophet is writing in the sixth century BC. The temple has been destroyed, but Ezekiel has a vision of the temple being rebuilt and restored to its former glory. He is in Babylon. He's a captive in Babylon, but he's dreaming about the temple back in Jerusalem. And in his vision, there's a river of life, hallelujah, that's flowing out from under the threshold of the temple. Now picture this in your mind's eye, not only a rebuilt temple, but a trickle of water coming out from under the altar at that temple. But Ezekiel walks a thousand cubits, and that trickle becomes ankle deep. He keeps walking, it becomes knee deep, and then waist deep, and then neck deep, and eventually deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk across. Now let's pick up this vision in, in verse six of chapter 47. He asked me, Ezekiel talking, have you been watching son of man? Then he led me back along the river bank. And when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. You gotta get that. Let me get my teaching coat on just a moment. Some things you need to know. The Dead Sea has the lowest elevation of any sea on this planet. It says 1,300 feet below sea level. And it's one of the saltiest seas on the earth. Here's a pic of it, the Dead Sea. Here it is. Look at that. You think that's... that's, Snow and ice, that's salt, folks, that's salt. You, you know, somebody said, well, I'd love to swim in the Dead Sea because, you know, you'd be buoyant. It's, it's hard to swim in the Dead Sea. It's just not a good place. Nothing lives there. Everything's dead there. But Ezekiel saw a vision of water flowing out of a house of God. <laughs> that when it flowed, trees would be on either side. And the further it got away from the house of God, the larger and deeper and more prevalent it became. Are you with me? I believe today that I'm preaching to a church. I'm preaching to a church that can reverse the river of this world that we're living in right now. I believe this house can produce a flow of the river of God. And when we walk out of here, it may be a trickle, but when we meet people every day in our life, it's gonna get deeper and deeper and deeper. I still believe, oh, I'm sorry to preach this way, but I still believe that God's got a church that's gonna make a difference in this world. I didn't mean to get that excited, forgive me. The dead sea is ten times more salt than seawater. The dead sea is devoid of life. None there, nothing can survive the salinity. That's Ezekiel's vision. But there's a river coming out of the temple. There's a river coming out of the house of God. It's a life-giving river. And here's what happens in verse 9. Watch this now. There will be swarms of living things. Wherever the water of this river flows. Woo, Hallelujah. Fish will abound in the dead sea. For its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of all these trees will never turn brown and never fall. And there will always be fruit on their branches. Oh, you're better than that. Come on. He's talking about the house of God. He's talking about the house of God. I'm about to lose my mind up here. Let me ask you a question today. Which way is the river flowing in your life? Is sewage flowing in like the Chicago River? Or is there a river of life that's flowing out of you? Are you being conformed to this world or are you being transformed by the spirit of God in you? Are you reacting to how everyone around you is treating you? Or are you operating in that heavenly spirit? Are you turning the other cheek? Are you blessing those who curse you? Are you shifting the atmosphere with faith and hope and love? One more question. Are you sucking the life out of everyone else? Or are you the life of the party? Because believers do bring an extra measure of grace to anything they walk into. We speak truth, but we do it in love. Your words are life-giving to people around you. So which way is the river flowing in your life? If it's flowing in all kinds of bad things, let's reverse it today. And let the Holy Spirit of God put a river out of us. Bring a river out of us that touches everybody we see. I'm telling you, this church is not just a church on Sunday morning. It's a church on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. <laughs> Come on, clap your hands. Which way is the river flowing? We all have done this guy stuff, garbage in, garbage out. We've all done that. But most people act like they are an exception to that rule. If you think that... We can get by eating awful and not feel the effect of it. That's why I hadn't eaten a bluebell in a long time. (laughs) Some of us think we can get by with five hours of sleep and work at full capacity. Some of us think we can avoid our Bible, still hear the voice of God. Or devoid of prayer and still walk in the Spirit, newsflash. You're not an anomaly. Oh, I know the best is yet to come. But we need to raise our level of prayer in this house. Need to la- raise our level of our thought life in this house. Need to raise our level of family life in this house. Need to la- raise our level of work life in this house. When we walk into some place, somebody ought to say, Whatever they're ordering, I want that. Because those people have something that I need. Come on, somebody. There is a river. There is a river. The streams thereof make glad the city of God. Are you happy to be in the house today? You know why, there's a river here. Come on, there's a river here. So you need to raise the level of everything in your life. It's gonna take some jack screws, quarter of an inch at a time. Gotta build an intake tunnel, spiritual disciplines. You have to reverse the river. One more time, there is a river flowing out of the temple. How does that affect me? Am I a part of that? First Corinthians 3 says, "Don't you know that all of you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God lives in you." Can I discuss something with you this morning? The temple is not brick and mortar. The temple is flesh and blood. Put your hand on you, say, "I'm the temple. It's not located in Jerusalem. It's in this room right here today, every one of us. You're not just his image. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. One little child didn't understand it one day, and he said, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of me, does he get wet when I drink water? Here it is in a nutshell. What we believe is not logical to the world. It's not illogical either, but it is theological which means we add God to everything in our lives. It's God plus us. It's God plus us. He's got to be everything in our life. He's got to be our morning praise. He's got to be our noon worship. He's got to be our night prayers. He's got to be in our dreams. He's got to be in our ambitions. He's got to be in our hopes. He's got to be in everything we go through negative and everything we go through positive. We can't bench him when we're going through the negative, and we think think it's ourself when we're going through the positive. He's got to be in everything in our life. He's all in all. Come on, somebody. Help me preach right now. I want to take you back and give you a setup from the creation. I want to discover some things. One has to go back to the source of the river, the origin. In the Garden of Eden, there was four rivers that flowed out of the Garden of Eden. So, there was rivers in the Garden. So, let's go back to the Garden. In the beginning, God, say it with me. In the beginning, beginning, God God created. created. Now, please follow me. This on the sixth creative day. The sixth creative day is when man was made in God's image. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, let them have dominion over all. All. Male and female, the Bible said, created he them. Now, I want to declare something. This is the first part of creation. See, there's three parts to creation, and I want to tell you the first part right now. Man and woman's first part of creation was spirit beings. They were made in the image of God. Isaiah speaks of a coming Savior, Here is how he identifies this Messiah. Now, Isaiah is talking about him in the 11th chapter. He says, verse 1 and 2, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. David was the man after God's own heart. And a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Seven spirits of the coming Messiah. So, the Messiah was going to be bequeathed, stay with me now, with seven. Everybody say seven. Seven Seven spirits. Now, you ready for some teaching? All right, I'm going to put them on the board here. Here's the seven spirits of the Messiah. The Spirit of the Lord. Put it up there. Secondly, the Spirit of Wisdom. Put it up there. The spirit of understanding. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of might. The spirit of knowledge. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, that's seven. You know what seven is in the Bible? It's perfection. You may not be called a ten, but you are a seven. (laughs) This is what God was talking about in Genesis when he made spirit beings. Let us make them in our image. What is the image of God? The image of God is the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of knowledge, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. And every one of them in Isaiah is capital S's. It's not your spirit, it's his spirit. You need to hit yourself right here and right here and say, mm, I didn't know I had so much in me. Every child that is born, oh, hallelujah, has the seven spirits of God in you. Somebody help me preach right now. You're not walking by yourself. That's why you make the right decisions and make the right choices because the first thing that was put in you was the seven spirits of God. I'm teaching to you now. Sit up at the table. Get your napkin out. You might slobber this a little bit. And then on top of that, Romans 12 said, Paul's preaching, I say through the grace given to me that to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according to as God has dealt with every man. Everybody say, the measure of faith. I'm so tired of that getting misquoted. It's not a measure. It's the measure. Look at somebody and say, "You didn't get any more than I got." You may make more money, you may have a better job, but I got the same measure of faith that you have. God showed me this when I was a pup preacher. You don't have to come from the right house. You don't have to come from the white house. You don't have to come from a a family that's all preachers. I'm gonna give you the measure of faith that I give everybody. And I'm here to declare, I'm using that measure right now. You talking about an eight after seven of these? Well, glory. That watch didn't want to stay with it. preaching's too powerful for that watch. Let's put him down. I've got the measure of faith in me. Come on now. i got eight things going for me. Man and woman's first part of creation was spirit. The second part was the body, the flesh. Genesis 2, not one, two. And five, for the Lord had not caused it to rain on the earth because there was no man to till the ground. Spirits are wonderful. They can commune with God. That's what we commune to God with. But they don't plow fields. And so, and the Lord God formed, Genesis 2 and 7, formed man of the dust and the gro- of the ground. He formed the word nephesh. He formed man from the dust of the ground. Now what's this? You got to stay with me. Flesh, body, dust of the ground. Out of the dust of the ground, Adam was created and formed. The first thing Adam needed when he woke up was a bath. Boy, you dusty. And most of the time our flesh is that just a little dusty. We need to bathe it every time we come to the house of God. Some of you have never heard this in your life. That's why you're just you got your mouth open. But leave it there. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna feed you today. And then I want to bring you the third part. The third part the living soul the living soul. The Bible said God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Okay, so how does God start? He starts with a spirit, the spirit, the spirits, the seven spirits in us because he wants to fill us with his spirit, his glory, his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding. He wants to fill us and then he forms us out of the dust of the ground. And then he breathes into us the breath of life and we become a living soul. So there's a three part here, but here's what I wanna tell you. The spirit and the flesh are worn with one another. And you know who makes the call? The soul. The soul is the center of our emotion. The soul is what I call the choice meter. It's the one that he puts in last to decide, are you gonna to yield to the spirit? Or are you gonna walk in the flesh? And that conscience many times rouses up when you make wrong decisions because that's the last thing that God put in you. Animals don't have that. Birds don't have that. Fish don't have that. But we have a conscience, we have a soul inside of us that says don't walk that way, walk this way. Don't go down that path, walk this path because God wanted us to follow after him but he gave us free will and free choice. You following me? So, spirit being flesh and then breath. And we were choice making people. God. So, what does that tell you? Well, it tells me this every man is made the same way, every woman's made the same way. Oh, excuse me, I forget. A woman. God took a rib out of a man, made a woman. You got a better start than we did, ladies. That might be the reason y'all smarter than us. I'm teasing. But all of us have the breath of God and a living soul is inside of us. Amen. And that spirit that God gave us, those seven spirits are gonna go back to him because he gave it to us. And this body and this soul is going to rest somewhere. Now, I want to declare something to you. So here's what I'm trying to tell you. I have what it takes to respond positively to God. I've got wisdom. I've got knowledge. I've got understanding. I've got the fear of the Lord. I've got all these seven things in my life. And I've got a body that that's in. But I've got this soul that he breathed into me. And the choice is mine. So if I wanna clap my hands today, I've gotta to make a choice to clap my hands. If I am going to pray today, I've gotta to make a choice to pray today. If I'm going to come to church, I've gotta make a choice to come to church. If I'm gonna do the right thing, I gotta make a choice to do the right thing. If I'm gonna do what God wants me to do, I gotta make a choice to do it. God gave me that choice. So here's what I wanna tell you. I have decided to follow Jesus and I'm gonna follow Jesus all the days of my life. Come on, somebody get on your feet and clap your hands all over this house. I'm gonna follow Jesus all the days of my life. That's my choice. Woo! hallelujah. You may be seated, I'm almost through. Give me another hour and a half. God gave Adam freedom of choice, a free will. The first in line is God's spirit, Second is flesh, third is soul, the choices. And when you're out of order, you have a mess on your hands. Did you know that atoms are 99.9% empty space? It's hard to consider this, I feel pretty solid. (laughs) Yet there are 99.9 empty space of every atom. You know what I think? I think the Holy Ghost lives in that empty space. Oh, that's just my thinking. You don't have to believe that. <laughs> Acts 17 said, for in him we live and move and have our being. We are his offspring. The Greek word there is kineo, which means get our word, where we get our word kinetic. Someway, somehow the Holy Spirit energizes us, motivates us at a subatomic and synaptic level. Now, some of you don't think I know what that means. The brain makes these new, one little neuron said, I think I'm gonna visit this neuron. Jap. That's a synaptic touch. That's a boom. And, 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 and these connections, they create clarity. They create new energy. They create creativity. They create motivation and focus. <laughs> I read this in physics. I don't know all of this I'm about to say, but there are four fundamental forces, gravitational, electromagnetic, strong nuclear, and weak nuclear. Now, I know the, I know the scheme, but don't ask me to explain it. But there's this mysterious fifth force That physicist just can't figure out. I believe that fifth force has a name. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. I think God's all up in our business. I think God's all up in this. See, he don't make junk. He didn't just say, well, here's some dirt. Let's get it done. Let's get her done, Adam. No, 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 no. He created man, male, and female, and spirit beings met with a spirit being. Then he made a man Then he breathed man the breath of life. He became a living soul. And we have choices today. Folks, I'm telling you, we're walking images of the Holy Spirit in our life today. Come on now. Clap your hands. Clap your hands. So we're the temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. John 7 said, if any man thirst, Jesus said on the last day of the feast, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Who do you think Jesus was thinking about when he says this? He was going back to the temple in Ezekiel's day showing what flowed then should flow now. (sighs) (sighs) I just think sometimes when we go through what we've gone through, I need some help, I'm done. When we go through what we've gone through in our church, the two years of just absolutely horror, people dying, people passing, people can't come to church, people losing losing sight of what's real in their life because of all this damage that the world put in front of us but on this sunday on this sunday i want to share some things with you before i close i want to tell you this that there is a river that's flowing out of God's house again again God is reconstructing this house after COVID. He's reconstructing this house after all the politics and all the devious stuff that was out there. He's reconstructing it because we are his, not anybody else's. I belong to him. When you lay down tonight, put your hand over on your wife's shoulder and say, honey, let me tell you something. I got Jesus up in here. I got Jesus up in here. You're sleeping with a Jesus man today. I think I'll tell that to Patty she'll probably say, well, go get me some water. (laughs) So let me, there's four ways I think that we can reverse this river and and not cause things to come in with bad decisions, but have a river flowing out through great decisions. Number one, you gotta confess your sin. You gotta say, Lord, I I messed up. I made some mistakes and I, I made some bad choices during this pandemic and I wanna get those choices righted. James 5 said, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Amen. The Bible said, even when our heart fails us, God is faithful because he cannot deny himself. God blesses you because he is in you. He made you. And there's seven spirits in there that he just won't let go of. He's going to hang on to them. So Romans 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that He's God raising from the dead, you will be saved. You need to to make some confessions today. Secondly, you need to take your cues from Scripture, not other places. This is the only place you need to take your cues from. If you've got some cue cards, this is the only place to take it from. It doesn't come on Instagram. It doesn't come on Facebook. It doesn't come any other place. It comes from right here. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. It's the word of God. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. The third thing you have to do is count your blessings. Oh, we're, we're slack at that. We count our failures and our mistakes when you start counting our blessings. Hey, God's been good to us. Look at your neighbor. He kept us through two years of almost a famine in this whole world, but God's still here today. And there's a river, count your blessings today. Name them one by one, count your blessings, see what God has done. Oh, hallelujah. And the fourth thing you have to do, you have to double down on prayer and fasting. You knew I'd get to that. Jesus comes off a mount of transfiguration, finds a situation of a man that has a son who has possession in him, he's broken. And the disciples couldn't cast the spirit out and Jesus told them this kind cometh not but by prayer and fasting. And when Jesus said this in Mark chapter nine, verse 23, he said to this man that had that son, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That's the first sermon I ever preached in my life right here. 1970, right here. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We all have doubts with our faith. We all have fear with our faith, but it's hard to have fear with love because perfect love cast out fear. And so I want you to do something for me today. I want you to walk out of here. If you want to sign up and be a part of our dream team, that's wonderful. If not, that's okay. But I want you to walk out of here saying there's a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out of me. Do you believe that? So now you have a choice. Do you want to stand up and clout for the word today? Do you want to do that? You have a choice. You don't have to do it, but you want to stand and do it, you can. Amen. Come on, receive the word today. Receive the word today. Come on, receive it. Receive the word today. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. There's a river. Come on, there's a river. The streams thereof which make glad the city of God. There's a river. And it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing, it's flowing. flowing. Some of you are gonna go home and you're gonna study the creation all over again. Read it, it's there. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. God's got so much invested in us That our conscience, our soul needs to make right choices every day. That causes the river to flow the right way out of us. Raise your hands all over the house. Let me bless you. Dear Father, I bless you and I apologize to these people for taking them a little longer than I should have. But Lord, I thank you for the word that went forth today, the teaching that went forth today. I thank you for that and I honor you with everything that's in my heart. I praise you because we're fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm gonna give you praise, God. I'm not doing this by myself. I have you in my life. I have you in my heart. I have you in my soul. And I bless your name. Now take us out of here, God, today with a gratefulness that we haven't had in a long time. Thank you for bringing us through it. And we're gonna reverse the river in this church and we're gonna be a flowing fountain of faith. In Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen.